Can you just do like a test test for me? Yeah. You're that hey guys, Jules here. So hey. I wanted to start today by playing this audio of a little lunchtime get-together I had <laughs> with my neighbor and friend, Jenny Eubing. <laughs> no, I can make it higher. Okay. Um, that actually looks pretty low. <laughs> Jenny and I have kids the same age who go to the same school and we live in the same neighborhood. So one day, one brisk November day, we were sitting in my dining room as our kiddos played in the background, which is why, by the way, the audio might sound a little echoey. (laughs) And her little girl was eating and babbling alongside us and just had the cutest little ball on her shirt. I'm a mom of four boys, so I tend to notice these little details. Now, you've heard from Jenny already in this series a few times, actually, but there was one question I wanted to ask her, and it's a question I felt comfortable enough asking because she's a friend, and I didn't really have a lot of courage asking other bloggers I interviewed (laughs) because I was too nervous. So here's that question. Why share... Why share publicly and and even everything from the big and the little you've Mm -hmm. shared everything from financial struggles to kind of journey with your weight loss Mm -hmm. to nfp and faith issues why like why share publicly yeah that's a great question i'm like (laughs) why and you know i i will have friends ask like how are you able to be so bold and so transparent and vulnerable when you're like talking to hundreds or thousands of people through the medium of a screen, but you would like qualify yourself, which I would, as like kind of introverted. Right. Um, And honestly, I feel like the screen is a great mediator for better and for worse to help you kind of forget the audience sometimes. Interesting. But here's the thing I find fascinating. Sometimes it's the fact that there is a screen which allows people, especially women, to be as vulnerable as they are. Here's some more from our conversation. Would you share if you were in like a mom's group? Like, would you? Or is it the anonymity? I think the anonymity is a big piece of it for me. Yeah. Because I'm not one of the most forthcoming women in like any of the women's groups I'm in, unless we have been together for a while and we get deep and there's like mutual transparency and kind of vulnerability. Right. So it's really strange and people are always like really taken aback when they find out that I'm actually kind of like a reserved person in real life. Now this scene may of course seem a little bit ironic. Because while we're sitting and chatting about digital friendships, Jenny and I are together in physical reality, right? We're neighbors and we have the benefit of getting together in person whenever we want to chat for community and for fellowship. But what if you don't have that luxury? What if your only outlet in your daily life is to find some sort of encouragement and prayer in your digital spaces? Well, this is the story of the sisterhood. (laughs) 
Now, I have worked on this blogging series for almost a year and a half. <laughs> if you have been following the series, which by the way, again, I highly recommend going back to the first episode of this month to follow the series in chronological order. But you know if you've been following that I entered this topic of Catholic blogging with a lot of pessimism. <laughs> I wasn't convinced that the medium was actually contributing good to our world to our faith community and honestly I wasn't even sure if the blog was going to survive another 10 years whispers of the blog is dead circled around me and frankly I don't know that I was all that upset about it then I started my interviews and person by person I noticed two really amazing things first people don't just see blogs as strictly digital spaces they don't operate differently in their online spaces and their real lives. And in fact, the digital space of the blog has in a way morphed with their real lives, forming real genuine communion with bloggers and fellow bloggers and bloggers and their audiences. And here's the second thing I realized. There is one group in particular who is incredibly good at this. Women. <laughs> Women have somehow figured out how to navigate the blogging world in often unexpected and beautiful ways. I kept thinking of this one line from an old episode of ours, actually the very first episode of this podcast, one on Catholic fiction. And it was from the founder of a national book club called Well Read Mom. Her name is Marcy Stockman. And she said to me that women are the generators of culture. And I have to tell you, when it comes to this new digital subculture, I can't think of a better group to help lead the way for the church than the women we're going to meet today. So for this episode, I'm going to separate our discussion into three parts. <laughs> Let's begin with part one, or I guess for you Ira Glass fans out there, act one. We're going to call this section, Finding One Another. You know, it was Easter yesterday and I was at Mass. And my parish is enormous. There are 13,000 people who go to my parish. Um, so I'm at Mass with, I, I don't, I didn't know any of the people at Mass. I, I looked around, I've been going there for two years and didn't recognize anyone's face of who was sitting near me in this giant church and it's hot and they're doing renovations. And so, you know, part of the sanctuary is a mess and... There's people talking, adults who should know better, and babies crying. And I was just thinking, God, this is so beautiful. Um, because here they are. They keep showing up. And I think in blogging, if we just keep we just keep showing up. This is my old friend, Sarah Babs. She's been blogging at her blog, Fumbling Towards Grace, for over 10 years. I've heard Sarah before in this series, but for today, I wanted Sarah to take us back to that very first post of hers. And something a bit unexpected, which happened when she published. When Sarah first experienced her reversion to the faith, she went to the internet to look for encouragement and support. Kind of blown away by 
this whole community of women who were just kind of talking about their lives and their thoughts and sharing about their days, um, being moms and a lot of them homeschooled and just kind of talking about their faith in a very intimate and kind of homey way. Um, so I thought, yeah, I'd like to write. I'll give this a try. In fact, when Sarah went through one of the darkest periods of her life, the loss of her first child, it was the blogging community which helped her through. Really, one of the most beautiful things that happened as a result of my blogging had to do with actually being able to grow my family. Um, so part of you know my story is that Um, My husband and I had a miscarriage um, just a few months after we were married, and then we experienced infertility after that. And I was blogging during this time, and I wrote a lot about that. And, And just out of curiosity, one day, I typed into Google, Catholic infertility blog. And through that search, Sarah found an entire community of Catholic women going through similar struggles with infertility and child loss. And through these struggles and experiences, authentic friendships were formed. It was a very um, authentic kind of organic community. We would just kind of read each other's posts and comment on each other's thoughts and it became real friendships. And, you know, this was almost 10 years ago and I'm still friends with a lot of these women, um, some of whom I've still never met (laughs) in person, but we're very good friends and communicate pretty regularly. Of the people I've talked to many times, (laughs) these friendships, these gifts of blogging were often unexpected surprises. In fact, I didn't talk to a single person who said they started blogging in the hopes of forming lifelong friendships. Instead, what often happened was the process of sharing, inquiring, writing about lived faith in the daily life. It was the written word which slowly drew people together. Which brings me to the second part of this story, part two, encouraging one another. But mostly I blog a lot more about the lessons I'm learning raising kids in parenting and in partnering with my husband and how I actually don't know very much at all. This hilarious and lovely lady, by the way, is Nell O'Leary. I blog at wholeparentingfamily.com. Nell started blogging in the way many of the women in our episode did. She wanted to make sense of her new reality as a mom, which for Nell also had an additional purpose. I started blogging in large part because as a lawyer who is only working part-time, I felt like I got to use my mind. Now, for now, one aspect I found interesting was that from the beginning of her writing, it wasn't simply about her longing strictly for a creative outlet, although that certainly was a part of it. But for now, she also desired community. She hoped to find her voice as a new mom, And she hoped to find people like her, new moms, trying to navigate this new space. It was just an outreach to say, hello world, I'm so isolated right now. Are there other people out there like me? And where do I find that community? After a few years of writing her blog, she started to expand her reach into the Catholic blogging world. She attended conferences, communicated regularly with other bloggers, and started helping out with a small and up-and-coming ministry called Blessed Is She. So Blessed Is She was founded by Jenna Gizar, who's based in Phoenix, in 2014. And she was working 
full-time, had three little kids, but really felt this call in her heart to have a Catholic presence for daily devotional scripture. Jenna noticed something in the Catholic internet space. Her Protestant friends all seem to have subscriptions to or follow some sort of daily scripture devotional, often showing up right there in their inbox. But Catholics? What was there for Catholics? Or more specifically, what was there for Catholic women? And so she reached out to bloggers and Catholic writers asking if anyone would be interested in volunteering to write small daily devotionals. She reached out to a couple dozen bloggers and 20 people said yes to write just on a volunteer basis, you know, in the cracks of our day, in the early morning, in the evenings and nap time, an email that would go out as a daily devotional email with the reading for the day and a short reflection based on those readings. Now Nell heard about the startup because a friend invited her to join a Facebook group, which Jenna happened to run. And while Nell loved to write, she felt her unique gifts might be more useful in another way. With her background in law and even editing for her law review, she offered to help edit the content of the daily devotionals. And this small contribution has since become central to who Nell is. Or in the phrase that she used, it's part of the beating of her heart. Over the years, the mission of Blessed Is She has stayed the same, to connect with each other in faith and form sisterhood. But the implementation (laughs) has expanded drastically. Just listen to some of what Blessed Is She offers. Daily Scripture Devotions, their original ministry, of course. But now there's also Advent and Lent devotionals, area brunches, retreats, Facebook groups, including a new Facebook group, by the way, called The Gift of You, for women interested in going deeper and how they can best use their gifts to serve. And on and on and on. (laughs) These, I feel like, are just some of the things they offer. But again, all of these incredible faith in action ministries are actually meant to serve a larger purpose. To really encounter our Lord in Scripture is oftentimes simply by merit of an invitation by another person. Nell several times pointed out to me that the mission of Blessed Is She isn't necessarily primarily to catechize but rather it is to evangelize. They want to share their story and then invite you into an even greater story. And that invitation to walk with your sister on her journey to go deeper in her faith, which is such an incredible thing because any of us can do that. We can all invite each other to do that. You don't have to have an advanced degree. Just a question of saying, I want to know more about my Catholic faith. So do you. Let's walk this journey together. And here's probably my most interesting takeaway in the process of encouraging one another. There used to be this assumption that digital spaces weren't somehow real spaces. We would say with shame that we met someone online, right? (laughs) Or maybe we would just call them our internet friends. But that's not really the case anymore. And that's in part, I think, thanks to women. They're people I've only met online or I've prayed for their intentions or I've you know, interacted with them on social media. And then they come and they show up. And they are so much more three-dimensional than our brief interaction to seeing each other's highlights reel. But there's a sense of knowing that I have with them that I don't necessarily have with women that I just meet, you know, in, in a social setting. 
Which brings me to part three, carrying one another. I don't think I can hide this from all these people who are engaging with me in my life in these ways. I, that just wouldn't feel authentic. Like I really feel that there's a powerful connection. If I can open up and share the story, I have a hunch I'm not the only one. This, by the way, is Laura Finucci. My blog at motheringspirit.com. Laura is also the author of several books, which I will name at the very end of the episode, so please don't miss that. Laura started blogging for the same reason many of the people I've spoken to did. She just felt she had to make sense of her new reality. In the early days of her blog, Laura explored the connections between theology and parenting, between faith and family life. And the irony is she never really had any intention of sharing these thoughts with anyone. (laughs) She told me it was months before she even told her husband that she had been blogging. She simply wanted to write down her thoughts as a way of making sense of her new life, her new world. But what happened next for Laura is what has happened for so many others I've spoken with. Her digital space slowly merged with her real life. Her story became immersed into a greater story, one of genuine, authentic community. Yeah, I never expected I would meet other bloggers or or form friendships out of this at all. I thought maybe I would connect with other people who might be interested in these same things. I mean, I knew back then in the blogging world, people would just sort of stumble across your blog somehow. And I thought, well, this could be cool. Like maybe I'll just find some readers that are interested in this same kind of thing and, and they'll share questions and I'll be interested in that. But no, I certainly never thought I would ever become friends with or build a whole network with people who I had only met through the internet. And these friendships, again, aren't some abstract idea, some strictly digital reality. They are very, very real. And these are dear friends. Like these are women that I know, even if the internet disappeared tomorrow, I would still be in relationship with them because it's such a deep connection. They're just real, like, honestly, sisters in Christ. Like that's not even a cliche. I really feel like these have become deep friendships. And it's here where I think Laura's story and the stories of the many women I've spoken to are so fascinating (laughs) because the women who formed these communities were often the women who, whether they did so consciously or not, were searching for something which was lacking in their physical spaces. The digital communities enabled the physical ones. And as we said at the top of this episode, women in particular seem to understand just how to navigate these digital spaces into the real world. I think this whole experience of becoming a blogger and getting connected with these virtual networks of bloggers or other Catholic writers has really taught me that in some ways, women do have this call it a gift or call it an instinct, this drive towards building community. Women have entered the blogging world with simple intentions, but have left the digital subculture with, in a sense, a whole new way of doing theology. Community is all of the sudden just a click away, and these interactions, often anonymous, in these communities lead to more honest and vulnerable dialogue than people sometimes feel comfortable with in person. Laura has noticed this throughout her blogging career, in fact, particularly when it comes to what she calls the silent struggles. I just see that so many people don't have places to share their stories. And a lot of it is around these 
you know, these silent struggles or suffering. I mean, things like miscarriage, things like struggles in your marriage or infertility, you know, there's not places that everybody who's going through that can share about that or be heard. She received emails from all over the country from women who shared in similar struggles, particularly in motherhood and infertility. And this honesty was exemplified in two pivotal moments in her life. Well, it kind of started when um, when we actually had our miscarriage in 2013. I had probably never written anything on the blog about the harder side of parenting or sort of the shadow side. I had written a little bit about the infertility that we had gone through. We had several years before we were able to um, conceive our first child, and that was really difficult. So I had maybe written a little bit about that. But when we went through the miscarriage, I mean, I was just... I was just bowled over by that. I never expected that would happen. I didn't really know anybody else in my life, in my close circle who had gone through that. And so I didn't really have anyone to turn to. I mean, I had wonderful friends and family that reached out, but nobody really understood. And so I remember kind of thinking on a whim, you know, I, I, I just kind of want to write through this and, and how hard this experience was, but I just want to write it and put it out there. And Now, Laura did what she had come to do so well. She wrote her way through her suffering. Blogging became essential to her healing, not simply for her own personal struggle of finding healing, but because her voice became a voice for the many. Laura was flooded with emails from all over the country from women who had gone through similar experiences. And this mutual grieving came to exemplify what women seem to understand. Again, digital spaces are real spaces. Digital friends are real friends. And without them, Laura isn't sure how she would have dealt with the pain. And it was so comforting and healing for me to hear other stories and just to work through that. And I thought, wow, that's really beautiful. I was able to offer this really tender piece of my heart to people and they responded in ways that were so, you know, beautiful. They really were ministering to me in, in kind of a communal way. A few years after losing their child and miscarriage, Laura and her husband received the news they would be parents to twin girls. But early in the pregnancy, complications were discovered, which made the pregnancy very high risk. And Laura did what she had always done. She shared her concerns on her blog and with her blogging friends. You know, I did kind of let people into that along the way and just shared, you know, we're really worried about these babies and this is really tough. And um, as it became evident that the the twins were going to need this in utero surgery to try to save them when they had developed a really rare um, blood complication, I was able to just ask for prayers and say, this is, we're really terrified. This is, we've never gone through anything like this. Please just, you know, hold us. And people just rallied around with support and prayers. I mean, we were just so held in prayer through that whole experience. Due to complications, Laura and her husband's girls had to have emergency surgery in utero. But the surgery wasn't successful, and the sweet girls had to be delivered at just 24 weeks. Their complications were simply too much for Laura's beautiful daughters, and soon her little girls passed into eternal life. First sweet Maggie, and then Abby. 
Now, Laura's reflection on this time is is just achingly beautiful because her little girl's lives mattered. They have a purpose. They were created out of love and for love and to be loved. But it is Sweet Abby's story which we're going to close with today. You see, how I heard about Laura is how I'm assuming many of you have heard about Laura too. Abby died in the arms of her mom and dad. And her mom and dad, aching for their beautiful girl, experienced total and complete joy. Here's Laura explaining that moment. And so, you know, when the babies had to be delivered early because the surgery wasn't successful and they were in the NICU and everyone was praying for us. And I do remember thinking because I shared their story. I mean, there are religious communities across the world that people have asked to pray for these babies. And, and I felt like, okay, God, you're up to something here that's bigger than me. And so when we went through this really incredible, I mean, miracle, honestly, of an experience when we were holding our second daughter as she was dying in the NICU, we had just this incredible experience of grace and joy in the hours around her death that, I mean, I had never experienced anything like it. I'd never read any story like it. I just, it just flipped my whole world inside out. And like what I came to know of God in those moments, it just, it just like deepened my faith and just changed everything I felt about me and everything I knew about my faith. Jesus be husband said goodbye to their daughters, Maggie and Abby, in late February of 2016. They were lifted in prayer and immersed in grief. And as Laura lay healing almost a week after losing her girls, that same feeling which she had felt so many times before began slowly aching in her heart. She had a story which needed to be told she needed to tell their story and really she needed to tell God's story. And so she sat in one sitting to write not simply a story of grief, but more importantly, a story of immense joy. And from there, it seems the floodgates opened. I saw the power of sharing a story like that, that was 
yes, there was deep joy, but it was in the worst moments of our life. It was in this deepest grief of, I mean, being with our second baby and, you know, as, as she's laying there dying in our arms and it just seems like unbelievable, but so many people reached out and said to me, and this honestly feels like even the bigger miracle, they would say, I had something like that too. And I never told anyone or even worse, I did tell someone and they didn't believe me. Like they didn't believe that God could be present in such a beautiful, peaceful, joyful way in this awful grief. I've been thinking about Laura and her story really ever since we spoke. I remember this article well. I goodness, I think I had at least 20 friends shared on Facebook. A lot of people remember this article. I mean, her website crashed seven times because the traffic was so intense, my goodness. And many, many times in our interview, Laura used this word, miracle. And I thought so much about that word after we spoke. Was it a miracle? Well, yes, yes, it wasn't the miracle Laura and her husband had initially wanted, of course. But the miracle of experiencing that incredible heavenly joy, yes, yes, of course, that was a miracle. But in my year and a half of studying blogs and their writers, I think there's another miracle. It's the miracle of giving a voice to those who for so long might not have had one. In this past year, people very close to me have lost children through miscarriage and through terrible tragedy. And as much as I tried, I I simply didn't have the words. I could not relate to their grief. I could not communicate just how devastated I was. But Laura can. She did. She still does. She gave a voice to the many, many women and men who needed it. Whether it was communicating her story of joy or reflecting on her still grieving heart, Laura has given women their power back. She has given them a voice. And I realized like there was something so much bigger going on here that there are these stories just of the human experience that we haven't been sharing or, you know, we didn't have words for. And so I think as a writer and a blogger, if anything that I write opens up that space inside someone else to understand their life in a new way or to connect with other people, that just felt like this incredible gift. This, I mean, a ministry, really. We come to a close, dear listeners. (laughs) The idea for this series on Catholic blogging came about because one of my favorite bloggers got fired. And I approached this series, as I have said, with pessimism, a bit of frustration. And I would even ask this question, which is just kind of terrible in hindsight. Is the blog dead? And now a year and a half later, I am left feeling with just an incredible amount of hope. I've seen the lives changed because of this medium. My life has changed. And not just because of the blogs that I've read over the years, but also because of these incredible bloggers I've been privileged to speak to. The blog isn't dead. Even the idea of it just seems ridiculous now. 
The blog is and will be for a long time a place of authentic, real, and beautiful communion with our brethren. That is, of course, if we let it. guys, it's Jules. I wanted to jump in before we do our normal end of the episode credits. I wanted to jump in because one of the bloggers we interviewed, Laura Finucci, now she has several books that she's written over the years, (laughs) including Everyday Sacrament, which is just an awesome book about parenting, but she's also written Prayers for Pregnancy and Birth and Living Your Discipleship, Seven Ways to Express Your Calling, and a couple of different others. She's an incredibly talented writer, but I wanted to focus on one book in particular that just came out. It's called Grieving Together, A Couple's Journey Through Miscarriage. It was written with Laura and her husband. And it's just an awesome book. It's small, but its resources are so rich. My husband and I have never suffered child loss and God willing, we never will. But this book, I ended up buying one because it's just an amazing resource to have. One, just for couples who want to understand how to journey through suffering in their marriage, whatever suffering that may be. And two, it's just good to have around in case, God forbid, we or someone we know and love go through miscarriage or child loss. So I just wanted to jump in and just just visit her website, motheringspirit.com, and just see if it's, I if I were you, I would just buy a copy, honestly, and just have it as a resource for your home. Okay, thanks so much and God bless you. Many, many thanks to the amazing bloggers who we interviewed for this episode and to the organization Blessed Is She for letting us tell just a small part of their story. We are so very grateful. By the way, the song we used in this episode is one of my all-time favorite songs. (laughs) It's called Be With Me and it's by Jesse Kaufman. It was featured on the Focus Origin album from a couple of years back. Thank you so very much to Sean Garrison and the rest of the team for letting me use just an absolutely amazing song. Please visit our website for information about all of the amazing women we talked to this episode and for information about our entire series because obviously these are just four of the many talented bloggers who we interviewed. Please visit our website mysterythroughmanners.com. We have one final episode coming up. It's a feature blogger series featuring the amazing Katie Waldo. So please stay tuned for that. That will be released on Monday. And then we will take a little bit of time off before we release our next three-part series on the Immigrant Church, which launches Thursday, December 6th. God bless you. Have a absolutely happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you then.